in Luke chapter 5, as we're continuing our study of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and seeing how <coughs> Jesus is the fulfillment of all the hopes and dreams and promises of the Old Testament, the Old Testament story, um, and how he's the, the, the answer to all the hopes and dreams of every human heart. Um, Luke 5. And so uh, if you do an online uh, search for books on spirituality and religion, uh, you're going to come up with ov- well over a million options. You're going to come up with well over a million options. Uh, not, and that's not counting articles and blogs. And, and uh, w- if we all spent 24 hours a day um, reading not everything that has been written about religion and spirituality, but just everything that's being written right now, we couldn't keep up. It's impossible. Um, and, and there was a time that maybe we thought that living in the age of science and technology, that that, that would kind of uh, quench that human thirst for spiritual illumination, but it hasn't. Uh, people are still searching for meaning, searching for purpose, searching for what makes life matter um, in, in the way that they always have. Humanity has always and will always continue to have this hunger, this thirst, this deep longing for meaning. And there's lots of opinion about what our meaning is and what really matters. And, and, uh, and even here in the 21st century, nothing has quenched that, uh, that thirst or that desire for contentment for true purpose and where can it be found and and uh, even if you're not a U2 fan even if you don't listen to U2 even if you don't know who U2 is um, we've all probably heard probably some of the most famous words uh, I have spoke with the tongue of angels I have held the hand of a devil it was one empty night I was cold as a stone but I still haven't found what I'm looking for and, and that really describes uh, the human search for meaning, and no matter what experiences we have, or how much success we have, or how much failure we have, there's this there's this longing to find what really matters, and 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 we think we found it, and then it slips through our fingers, and we realize we still haven't found it. I still haven't found it. I haven't found that thing that makes life matter. And so, as we meet Jesus in Luke chapter five, he's been teaching and preaching and proclaiming the good news that God reigns, and he's been teaching with authority. And everybody's been amazed at the authority with which he speaks, and and he's proclaiming this message that a new day has dawned and there's this unlimited well of resources of the kingdom of God that we can draw from we don't have to do life on our own we don't have to uh, we don't have to do things living from our own uh, from our own we don't have to keep drawing from our own well you don't have to keep drawing from your own resources Um, and his message of the kingdom that God reigns that was good news then and it's good news now. It was good news then to the poor. Good news to the powerless. Good news to the have-nots and the down and out. But it was troubling news uh, to the powerful, the on top and the haves. And it still is. And so Luke depicts Jesus preaching and proclaiming um, and is healing with authority. And there's this authority that draws people near to him. And not only does he teach with authority, but with authority he casts out demons and he heals the sick and, and he overcomes every barrier that keeps people out of community with each other and out of community with God. And, and so we, we, we've seen all these things happen in Luke and then in chapter 5 verse 1 we read that on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus. And so people are so desperate for what Jesus has to say. They're just pressing in on him. And he's, uh, he's standing by the lake of Yenisaret. And he, uh, he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. 
Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both of the boats and they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who are partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. You will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So this amazing story of the call of, of Simon and Andrew and, 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 and James and John. And they have just had like the worst work day uh, you could ever have. And, and what we have a picture of here is Jesus... Uh, he's calling this group of core disciples around himself, and he's not just going to play church with these people. He's not going to set up a cruise ship with these people. He's not looking for an audience, just uh, uh, how big of an audience can I get? He's looking for a few people that he can pour himself into, that he can pour his life into, and then he can turn loose and send out on a mission. And so he's teaching by this lake. The crowd's pressing in. They're hungry for what he has to say. And... Uh, Jesus takes advantage of some first century technology. He asks one of the, one of the uh, fishermen, can we get in your boat, push out on the water, and then Jesus lets the, the water carry the sound, carry the sound of his voice. Um, it's kind of picture this, uh, this setting here. Uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John, these, are not, uh, these aren't guys that are fishermen by hobby. This isn't a hobby for them. This isn't something they're doing to like kind of break the, break the stress. Uh, these are guys whose livelihood depends on fishing. Their entire, I mean, whether they can pay their bills or not depends on fishing. This is their vocation. This is, this is their livelihood. They take it like almost as seriously as like Chris Dosser or, or Ryan McCorkle or, or, or you know, Richard Faust. I mean, they, they, really, no, they, they really take this seriously. This is their livelihood. This is their work. And we see in verse 5 that they spent all night long fishing, and they've gotten nothing. And now Jesus comes along, and as he's teaching, they're just by the boat kind of washing their nets. Um, can you imagine the tension that maybe everybody, I think you probably can, the tension that everybody was feeling in that moment? Uh, man, we just had the sorriest night of fishing we've had in a long time. And then the preacher shows up. The carpenter-turned-preacher shows up. And you can imagine Peter and his friends, they're washing their nets, and they're probably not saying anything. Uh, and what they are saying, what they do say, probably isn't very uplifting, probably not very encouraging, might not be something we can repeat. I mean, they are experiencing with these empty nets, this is a picture of what we all experience sometimes, just with the futility of our work, the futility of our vocation. Sometimes it seems like in our work, whether that work is uh, fishing, or whether that work, probably not most of us now, but whether that work is uh, banking or, or counseling, or whether that work is pastoring, or whether that work is shift work, or whether that work is law enforcement or coaching, or whether that work is, is being a stay-at-home parent, or, or whether that work is I'm retired now. Whatever that work may be, we experience these moments where it just feels like my, my nets are empty. 
and I'm doing everything that I know how to do, but I'm coming up empty. I'm working hard. I'm changing diaper after diaper, or I'm filing report after report, or I'm, I'm preaching message after message, or I'm teaching this group of, of young people, or whatever it may be, and whatever I do, I keep throwing the net out there, and it keeps coming back empty. I'm not drawing anything in. Nothing is changing. Nothing is happening. And in that empty net scenario that these disciples are living in, um, man, that, that kind of, we all can relate to that, I think, in some way. This, that I'm doing the daily grind, day after day after day, and I'm wondering if it's worth it. And I don't know what your grind is. It, again, it may be working with kids. It may be, uh, it may be working in a, in a, in a, a small business. Um, it may be you're, you're at home with little ones all day and you're changing diaper after diaper and, and one you know, is worse than the one before. I don't know what your grind is, but we can all come to these points where we're like, is this worth it? What is the point? I mean, I thought this was going to be life-giving. I thought this was going to be refreshing. I thought this was going to be fun, you know. Uh, uh, you know, be a pastor, they said. You're going to love it, they said. Or be a coach, or be a, uh, be a teacher, or, or, or be a parent, or, or whatever. Plug anything in there. In our marriages, in our work, in all of our lives, there can be these moments where it's like, I thought this was going to be great, and it hasn't met my expectations. I haven't found what I'm looking for. I still haven't found what I'm looking for um, and I'm, I, my nets are empty, no matter how hard I'm trying. And so the carpenter turned preacher shows up, and he's the same preacher that had healed Peter's mother-in-law. And so, and so Peter has a certain amount of respect for him. He knows that Jesus, um, that Jesus is about something great. But, you know, the preacher shows up, and they're just washing their nets, and they're trying not to make eye contact. Maybe if I don't see him, he won't see me. And he's teaching, and he's preaching, and they're listening. But, you know, you know how it is when you're, when you're mad, and, 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 and you're upset, and, and uh, you don't want to hear any of this talk right now. And, and if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, um, we, can, we can get a glimpse of what's going on here with our, with our struggle with work and their struggle with work. Uh, they've had this terrible night of fishing, and, 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 and sometimes our empty nets aren't just a night or a day. Sometimes we get in a season with our work or with our marriage or with our friendships or with church. We get into the season where my nets are just empty. And no matter what I do, nothing's changing. Why am I even trying? Why am I even bothering? And, uh, and that goes all the way back to those first few chapters of Genesis where we were created to do meaningful work. God made Adam and Eve to do meaningful work. He creates us in his image. And, and, and their job was to, was to um, cultivate and keep the garden, and not only that, but apparently to, to expand its borders and to, and, to, and to spread the glory of God uh, from that place over the entire world. And they failed, and they rebelled against God. And, and since then, all of our relationships are warped, even our relationship to work. In Genesis 3:19, as, as we see the fall narrative there, God tells Abram that by the sweat, of, or God tells Adam that by the sweat of your brow, you're going to earn your bread. It's not that we didn't have to work before and now we do have to work. We were always called to meaningful work. God made you and me to do meaningful work. But now that work is hard and it's difficult and it's futile. And I wonder, am I getting anywhere? And I got to battle thorns and thistles and I got to battle the sweat of my brow. And parenting is hard because of the fall. 
Our, our jobs are hard because of the fall. Doing what we do here as the body of Christ is hard. It's more difficult because of the fall. And, and, and whether you're a banker or a teacher or a pastor or a stay-at-home parent or, or a student or a coach or a shift worker or you own your own business, at times we just hit this wall of futility like the disciples did here. And we're saying, where am I going? Where is this going? Why is my work so hard? Why is everything so dull or meaningless? I thought this was going to satisfy me, but it's not. And so as image bearers of God, you and I are created to do meaningful work. But as rebels against God, as rebels against God, we're tempted to seek our identity in work. And, and that's, where, that's where our sin comes in. That's where my fallenness, my bentness comes in. I am created to do meaningful work, but as a rebel, I'm tempted to make an idol out of work. I'm tempted to, to place and root my identity in my work. And if my nets are full, man, I'm great. If my nets are empty, I'm a sorry dog. You know how that feeling goes? You know that struggle? It's kind of like when we place our identity in our parenting. Um, Something I, I found so valuable from the Paul Tripp book on parenting that we've talked some about. And if we place parents, if we place our identity in how our children perform, man, that is a really, really shaky place to place our identity. Placing our identity in our work, it's such a temptation, and, we, and we make, uh, we're tempted to seek our identity in our work, and we're tempted to make an idol out of work. But as redeemed people of God, we're invited to allow our work to be a conduit for something greater. As redeemed people of God, our work is not just an end in itself. It's a conduit that points beyond itself to something greater. So, so what's your empty net? Can you relate to empty nets? Work, 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 and nothing is changing. Nothing is happening. And maybe circumstances in your life or people in your life aren't cooperating, and maybe your own heart's not cooperating. And maybe you've asked, why have I gotten myself into this? And the struggle with futility, that affects more than our daily work. That affects more than our nine to five. Our struggle with futility is deeply woven into our marriages. What's the point? This person's a monster. Words I've never said. Um, what's the point of this? Why did I get into this? Our friendships, our daily walk with other believers, our, our daily walk with God. What's the point of getting up and spending time in the Word? What's it matter? And when our nets are empty, what do we do? And uh, our encouragement, I believe, from the Scripture this morning is, by the grace of God, stay faithful when your net is empty. By the grace of God, stay faithful when your net is empty. There are times, there are days, there are seasons in our life that we're throwing the net out there and nothing is happening. Nine out of ten messages I have ever preached has gotten zero tangible response. Probably 9.9. Just in the ditch that I'm digging over here. Um, So often we throw the net out and it comes back empty. You're throwing the net out as you're working with kids or you're working with your coworkers or you're working with your your spouse every day. And so often it comes up empty. Stay faithful when your net is empty, when things aren't going the way you think they ought to. So just imagine you're having the worst day at the office or the worst day out on patrol or the worst day, um, the worst day changing diapers at home. Uh, and you're sitting there cha- washing your nets or doing your thing, whatever your thing is. And Jesus shows up. He shows up at your workplace. 
and he calls your name and he says, hey, let's go out on the water or let's do that thing you just spent all night doing. And Peter says, I just kind of came back from doing that, but okay. So, so they go out and, and as you're hearing Jesus preach, as you're hearing him talk, your heart begins. Put yourself in Simon's place here for a second. Your heart begins to stir. You know how that happens when you, when you start, you know, you've just all week long been in that slump, and then maybe you get to the Word, or, or you're here, or you're in a Sunday school class, or you're in life group, or you, you hear somebody on the radio, whatever. You hear the Word of God, and suddenly something in your heart starts to kind of churn a little bit. Are we familiar with this? I hope so. Please, God. And, 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 and there's like this, this life that's just like fire that starts to creep up in our hearts, and we start to think, maybe there's more. Maybe there's more to life than just empty nets. Maybe empty nets aren't the only thing about me. Maybe, maybe there's something bigger than me, and, and that's happening in Simon as he's hearing Jesus preach. And Jesus says, hey, let's put out in the deep, though your net's in. And Simon's respectful. He doesn't call him the word for Lord. He calls him like the word for like sir. He says, master, kind of like the way you talk to a crazy person when you're still being polite. Master, sir, uh, we just were doing that all night long, verse 5, and we came up empty. He's polite. And he says, but at your word, we'll do it. So is Simon saying, I trust you so much that just because you said it, I'm going to do it? Or is Simon saying, well, somebody's going to look like a fool. I'd rather it not be me, so I want to make it really clear that I'm doing this because you said to do it. At your word, we'll do it. Look what happened. I mean, this is like Jesus stepping on the set of Deadliest Catch with all of these seasoned fishermen. Or just like him walking into your workplace. And aren't we in our workplace kind of like, well, Jesus, I mean, sure, he knows a lot about church, but I mean, he doesn't know a lot about teaching math. Don't we have those kind of thoughts? He doesn't know anything about changing diapers. And we kind of relegate him over here to the church world. Well, he's got a lot to say about how we do everything we do. You know, hey, why don't you cast those nets over there? Okay, we've been doing that all night long. You're the one that's going to look silly. They throw the nets out, and what happens? Verse 6. Um. They had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, their nets were breaking. They signal to their partners. What happens when they start to get weighted down by their success? They have such a successful catch, their nets are so full, they start to sink. They bring in partnership. They bring in collaborators, which is a great picture of what we're called to do and be in the body of Christ. Whether our nets are empty or whether our nets are full, we get to be people who say, hey, help me, with, help me wash my empty nets. Help me carry my heavy nets. I need partnership. I need collaboration. I need help here. Um, and so, so they go and, and, and they have this catch of fish that is like a career. This is a career-defining catch. This is the catch that, uh, that Simon's been dreaming about his entire life. Um, this is, I mean, this is winning the state championship, all right? This is uh, getting that account that you've been trying to get for years. This is all the kids uh, come down for school and they're dressed and they're singing songs like the little Von Trapp children. I mean, this is the, <laughs> this is the goal, okay? And Peter has gone from empty nets to full nets. But there's seasons in our life where we go a long time with empty nets. And no matter what I do, they're empty. And there's seasons in our life that our nets are full. And man, every pass I throw is, an, is, a, is, a, is a completion. Every, every, every pass I throw is a touchdown. Everything I do is working. And, and, and when our nets are empty, 
or our nets are full, we have this temptation to let that be where we rest our identity. I love Tim Keller's very pastoral words. He says, don't let success go to your head. Don't let failure go to your heart. And we've all done a lot of that. When we have success, we're tempted to strut around like a barnyard rooster. And when we have a failure, we're tempted to walk around like we're a failure. Peter experiences the greatest professional accomplishment of his life. And what's his response? Does he swagger up to Jesus and say, hey, hey, Jesus, I bet you'd really like a guy like me on your team. I got a lot to offer. He doesn't do that. He doesn't swagger around like we so often do, glorifying in and glorying in everything that he's got to offer. Hey, did you see what I just did back there, Jesus? I mean, you see all those fish I just brought in? Where you want to sign my name up for your team? He's not doing Jesus a favor. He falls down at Jesus' feet and says, get away from me. You're God and I'm not. He's gotten a t- he says, I'm a sinful man. This is like Isaiah, and Isaiah 6. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Peter has just seen just this picture of the glory and the goodness and the strength and the power and the majesty and the generosity of God. And his, his response to that isn't to make much of himself. His response of that to that is to say, wow, there is a huge gap between me and Jesus and I am not worthy to be hanging out with this guy. Peter's response to the greatest professional accomplishment of his life is to fall down at the feet of Jesus. Because Peter knows something. And I believe in this moment, Peter got the catch that he had wanted to get. He's been dreaming about his whole life. But it still didn't satisfy him. It still wasn't what he was looking for. And he was able to leave those fish on the beach and follow Jesus because when he looked at the face of Jesus Christ and he saw who Jesus is and he spends this time with Jesus, Jesus is the one that he's been looking for his whole life. He just didn't know it. Don't let success go to your head. Don't let failure go to your heart. When your net is empty, stay faithful. And when your net is full, stay humble. There's times that our nets are empty. And by the grace of God, God is calling you and I to persevere to follow Him, to honor Him, to be faithful. And when our nets are full, this is where it gets really tough. Because we're tempted to get full of ourselves. And we're tempted to make it about us. Anybody else? When your nets are full, be humble. Fall down at the feet of Jesus Christ. You are the worthy one. And I'm not. Stay humble when your net's full. Stay faithful when your net's empty. And Jesus gives Peter's work new meaning. He says, from now on, from now on, verse 10, from now on you will be catching men or people. And the other gospels it says you'll be a fisher of men. But hey, what Jesus literally says, you're going to be catching men alive. Fishing, the problem with the fishing metaphor is Great things don't happen to fish after they're caught. Terrible things happen to fish after they're caught. And so Jesus says, literally, you're going to be catching people alive. Maybe this is reading too much into the text, but I like to think the gist here is 
Instead of being a fisherman who, catch living, who catches living things and makes them dead things, you're going to be somebody who captures dead things and brings them to life in Christ. You are somebody with the, message, the life-giving message of Christ and the kingdom, and your job is to proclaim that message to dead men, those dead in sin, dead people, and watch them come to life. In Christ. And so what do we do with this? Is this saying that Jesus is going to call you away from your classroom or your, your booth at the bank or he's going to call you away from home or he's going to call you and, and say, hey, your work doesn't matter. Go do church work. That's not what this is saying. But unfortunately, that's so often how we've read it. They walk away from this catch of fish, not because it doesn't matter to be a fisherman and, and fishermen don't matter to God. No, they walk away from it because that's no longer where they find their identity. That catch of fish would have been the best thing Peter had ever seen the day before, but now he's seen Jesus and it doesn't compare. Nothing compares to the greatness of knowing him. And so for you and your work, me and my work, our work is mission. Our work is a conduit for something greater. So all these years of being fishermen have prepared these guys for their kingdom work. Jesus doesn't throw their, 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 their vocation out the window. Their vocation is prepared for something greater. Your vocation, whatever it is, that's the place where your mission and God's, God, God's mission, where you discover God's mission for you, it's a conduit for something greater. It's a conduit for the kingdom of God. And your relationship to work and my relationship to work needs redemption. It's not, i got to walk away from thinking that this role is going to fill me up. i got to walk away from thinking that this role is where I'm going to find my identity or, or your role is where we're going to find our identity is in the person of Jesus Christ. So put yourself in the story. Put yourself in Peter's shoes. You see the crowd pressing in. You're hearing the words, but you're mad. You're mad about last night's vision. Why do I keep trying? And then Jesus calls your name. Let's go out in the water. I did that already. And you're listening to him preach, and you got your, you got your church face on as he's preaching. And, and then he says, let's go out in the water. He says, hey, okay, hold on, hold on. I know you're Jesus and all, but I'm the fisherman. You don't know what you're doing. And you do it. You have this incredible, wow. And, and, and you just, instead of glorying in your success, you fall down at Jesus' feet. Now picture you're somebody out there on the shore. And at first, you're so relieved. Man, I'm glad Jesus didn't want to get in my boat. My boat is a mess right now. Fish heads everywhere. There's some goat skins lying around with some of that new wine in it he was talking about. Sure glad he didn't step into my boat. But then as you're watching, at first you're relieved that the spotlight's not on you. But then you see Peter catch all those fish. Really? Peter? Does he just know how he talks when he's not around? Does he know what Peter's really like? See, it's really hard to be faithful when our nets are empty. But when our nets are empty and somebody else's are full, that's where the rubber really hits the road. Will you be faithful even if your net is empty and somebody else's net is full? Will you be humble if your net is full and somebody else is empty. It would have been easy to compare to Peter. It's easy to compare now. As image bearers of God, we're created to do meaningful work. As rebels against God, our, entire, our, 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 our relationship with work got twisted. And 
and idolatrous as redeemed people in Christ, we're invited to allow our work to be a conduit for something greater. Stay faithful when your net is empty. Stay humble when your net is full. Um, the band's coming up. I'd just like to close with a word from N.T. Wright. He says, when Jesus calls, he certainly does demand everything, but only because he has already given everything himself and has plans in store for us in the world that we would never have dreamed of. I love Bonhoeffer's words, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die, and that's true. Jesus demands everything from you, but he demands everything from you because he has given everything for you already. And our nets, your nets may be empty, and they may be empty for the foreseeable future. You may be in a time of frustration for a while. I don't know how long the season's going to end. Your, your nets may be full. And you may be, you may be saying, well, I mean, I'm good. Whether your nets are full or your nets are empty, that's not where your identity is found. Let's not let that be where our identity is rooted. 